Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. It's time for your week daily look at the NBA and your Charlotte Hornets. It's time for the Hive O'Clock Alarm. Oh, that sounds amazing. Good morning, Hornets fans. Hope springs eternal for the Charlotte Hornets because they have a home game coming up tomorrow night. And we got, I, I don't know, depending on how you look at it, we get we got some uh, positive news on Nick Batum's injury. Uh, we first had the report from Chris Haynes of, of Cleveland.com on Twitter that Nick Batum could or, or was expected to miss the rest of the series versus the Heat, but now word comes from the team that it's a actually a foot strain after the MRI re- revealed that, and they've only ruled Nick Batum out of Game 3, Game 4 status up in the air, and certainly his status for the rest of the series up in the air. David Walker joining me here on the Hive O'Clock Alarm. David, what do you make of of all of this injury news to Nick Batum and and its changing status? Yeah, I guess it's not surprising just to see a little bit of the mixed messages coming out, just considering the sources, different directions are coming from. I still don't count on him for this series, and maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just hearing that initial word. Mr. Doom and Gloom. (laughs) The whole series, or maybe it was just how he went down and and some of the players' reactions around him. But I would be surprised if he came back, but that doesn't certainly obviously doesn't mean he, he won't. Um, I don't know. I mean, we're not yeah, doctors, it, but well, all we can do is go by what we hear. Right. And, you know, well, by what we hear from the players and the coaches who, who looked at that ankle or, or looked at that foot after he injured right. it, and it looked brutal. I mean, that turn was yeah. severe. It was the same foot and ankle that he he turned against Boston just a few weeks ago so you know this could this could be a re-injury you know it, it's it's interesting i think that you you have this situation where it looks like he could miss the rest of the series but now they only rule him out of game 3 and you don't know whether it's you know Nick Batum wanting to do everything in his power to fight back and get into this series yeah, and, and make an impact or as our former host and editor of Queen City Hoop, Spencer Percy, pointed out on Twitter, there could be a little bit of, you know, he he has a, a max contract in the as a possibility in the off season. Could this be, you know, a recognition that he hasn't done quite enough to make his case that he deserves that, or you know, question marks surrounding his fragility or the fragility of that foot. You know, maybe wanting to dispel some of that. What do you think of that, David? I think he's. I mean, first of all, I think he's done enough in the season to to warrant uh, the contract at this point. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't. Uh, ankle turns are are going to happen. I think if it was the regular season, you'd see him marked out for you know a week. I don't think he'd be trying to come back. 
for a game. So he got he turned it on Wednesday, so it wouldn't quite be a week if he played on Monday, right? But I I think it's more that he just he he wants to do everything he can to be out there, which I'm sure is true. Um, but as far as the contract, I think his season speaks pretty much for itself. I don't I mean he had an injury last year, but it wasn't to the ankle, so it wasn't to the foot. So that's not a chronic area. Um and I'm like I said, he's he's still young enough. I think he's out enough this year that the contract should take care of itself. So I think it's more of just he definitely wants to get back. The Hornets don't want to, you know, say anything definitive either way at this point. And also they're probably crossing their fingers that he can't come back. So that would be my take on it. Well, yeah, I was going. That was going to be my next question, David. What's the impact with him out of Game Three in your mind? What's the what's the biggest thing that the Hornets will miss from uh, not having Nick Batum in Game Three? Well, you saw him in game one. He was the only guy that came out ready. Now, didn't didn't score as effectively in game two and, of course, missed some of the end of that game. But we talked about it yesterday, and I'm just curious to see when your boy Jeremy Lamb gets on the floor because, you know, he hasn't played. Did he, he didn't play in game one, I don't think. I know he didn't play in game two. So is Clifford going to say, Hey, we could use the extra length. Uh, it will just see what happens as far as lamb. And, and sometimes the lapses he has, that's the biggest thing I'll be looking for right now because they're going to miss his shot making ability, but also his ability to create and everybody's played better at home. So you really want to see him and the rest of the team get home and have a good shot. I mean, what do you think about that? Do you see lamb, uh, maybe finally playing in the series as a result of this. Well, this is a, David. This is a, a perfect segue into what we wanted to do this morning for the high o'clock alarm. Podcast for a while. <laughs> We're going to play a little over and under, and why don't we start with with you, David, in that in the first over and under that you have with uh, Jeremy Lamb. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the over unders uh, for Jeremy Lamb. What did I say, Doug? Twenty minutes. Twenty of minutes time over under. All right, that seems like a lot to considering he's played zero. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the under pretty safely here because I don't think that Jeremy Lamb gets the start in place of of uh, Nick Batum. I think it's it's safe to say it's probably going to be Jeremy Lin that gets that start. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't think you know if he can't even pick up a few minutes in game one when when the thing was in the books. Or excuse me, he did. He was in garbage time. He did play four minutes in that game one. But I mean, he—I don't think that he has the 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 trust uh, to to carry a big role. I could be completely wrong, and, and we've seen crazier things. But I don't see him playing twenty minutes in in Game Three. It would be a bit shocking, but I am going to take the over, Doug. Um, we'll keep track of this. Why. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. <laughs> I'm going to be pulling for him to go in. Um, a little bit of my reasoning, Doug. I mean, everyone who's played in these games has played right at about 20 minutes. Um, Kaminsky only played 17 in the first game, but Lynn, Jefferson, and all the starters all played at least 20 minutes in that first game. And then the second game, uh, the same thing was true. So anyone playing significant minutes was left in there to play. So except for Zeller, he only played 30 minutes, uh, 13 minutes, but. Um, so it's right around that. Um, I think if he gets a shot and maybe hits a couple threes and uh, things turn around. So we'll see. Yeah, but I mean, you're essentially trying to figure out whether he goes with Daniels or Lamb off the bench or possibly Spencer Hawes. So I think 
I, I think he goes with one of those guys over Lamb, you know, bringing him into that eight-man rotation. Sure. So that's my yeah. reasoning behind going with the under. Okay, my first over and under, it has to do with assist. Charlotte, they got nine assists in game two, over and under 10 assists when they come back home. Uh, over for sure. They've had 11 and nine. They've got to do better than that at home. The ball movement is going to be better. The shot making is going to be better. That's an over. Yeah, I'll take the over as well. Not because I think that nine assists, as I talked about yesterday, not because I think nine assists was necessarily a bad thing, but just because I think Miami is going to slightly change their defensive strategy and and, and try to reel back the, the, the three-point defense and try to do a little to stop Al Jefferson. And I think that's going to open up some ball movement and, and, and close down the middle of the floor for Kimba Walker just a wee bit. And Lynn, too. You really, I think when you if you play Kimba and Lynn together for significant minutes, then Miami will have to adjust and have to close down the middle of the lane. So in that, it's going to open up some opportunities on the outside. Okay, what's what's next? Over and under. Over under. Marvin Williams five made field goals. Ooh, so he went zero for ten in uh, game two. Five made. That that'd be a big jump for Marvin in this series, who's who's really struggling with his shot, with his confidence. I'm going over, and the reason I'm going over is because uh, Steve, head coach Steve Clifford said on primetime on WFNZ 610 AM that he's going to look to get Marvin more touches. And you you think, man, 0 for 10. Why would Clifford get him more touches? He said more touches in terms of Marvin going towards the rim, getting some easy baskets. And I think what, what Clifford means is deliberate play calls to get Marvin offense because what we've seen so far from Marvin is He's been like the second or third when the play breaks down kind of option going towards the rim. Nothing's really being developed for him in the offense. And once Miami took away that pick and pop, it really killed Marvin Williams, his rhythm. So I look for the over here because I think they're going to try to actively to get him involved in the offense. I agree. I think he's going to have a bit of a breakout game here. It wouldn't take much at this point to have a breakout game. But I think he's going to get back on track a little bit and at least give you five made field goals. All right, my next over and under is Hassan Whiteside. His field goal percentage, 65. Mm. And that's a tough one because uh, you, you think 65, that's high, but he is on fire. Yeah, and I don't see much signs of him slowing down. I'm still going to go with the over there, which is going to put a challenge for the Hornets. But, you know... Um, they did okay on him, but much better in, in the second game there. And again, being at home, you got to have some things change a little bit. But he's going to just be tough to stop, and it's almost like he's going to get his. And if he has to give up something, not that they're giving it up, but I mean, I think that they'd rather concentrate and hopefully cut down on those threes. And if that gives uh, Whiteside a few more uh, shots at goal and close, then so be it. But I'm, I'm going to go over. Yeah, I like the over as well, especially when you consider that Hassan Whiteside is essentially returning home, and and he is not shy about uh, uh, about this chip on his shoulder that he has towards uh, the Hornets for what what he considers them not giving him a workout and and conflicting reports about that. But I, I think he definitely carries a chip on his shoulder about his hometown 
and, and he's going he's going to have friends and family in the stands, and so I think he will continue his. Uh, uh, hot performances had he come into this game a, a little off I would have said the opposite that he would have tried to ramp things up and that it wouldn't have worked out for him but he's playing at such a high level he's so locked in he's so focused I, I, I do think that Hassan Whiteside will continue to have success against the Hornets inside mainly because they, they really just don't have a body that can really do much about what Hassan Whiteside is doing inside all right yeah, uh He's missed all. He's missed all of two shots. So there you go. So, so taking sorry, the over sorry, is the actually four. Four. Sorry. Yeah. You know, nah. I'm not Nate Silver. Many. I'm not Nate Silver. <laughs> this isn't five thirty eight, but I think that's a yeah. safe bet to take the over there. Yeah. All right. Final one from you. Over and under. Final one from me, Doug, is about the Miami three-point shooting, over under 45%. I think that's under. I, I think that you're coming into a hostile environment, and as I said on last night's show, I think they fed off their home crowd, and they hit threes at a rate that they just haven't seen all season. I think they'll be a little more aggressive with Goran Dragic. They won't go under quite as much. I, I think you still have to play guys – you have to treat guys on defense like they've shown all season, but I think they'll be a slightly more aggressive with Goran Dragic on the pick and roll. You don't expect Justice Winslow to hit another three. So I think the percentage definitely comes down. It's going to mirror, I think, what you saw from Miami in the second half of game two where they shot 33%. I could see it being somewhere in the like the 35-36% range, which after these past two games, the Hornets can certainly live with. Yeah, this madness has to stop. It's a lot of mine. It cannot. It cannot keep going in. I'm glad you mentioned that second half because if you're looking for a, a silver lining, if Hornets fans are looking for something to build on, uh, and I'm sure the team is, you know, they gave up 43 points in the second quarter and 43 points in total in the second half against the Heat on uh, Wednesday night. So maybe things are going in the right direction for the Hornets, but there's. You just—I don't see. There's no way. There's no way they could keep up that three-point shooting. It's just not. It's just so out of character. You know, and the Hornets are going to lock down. You know what's interesting about that second half, too, David? It, so all the talk coming into this was that Miami had reinvented their offense after Bosch got injured, and they started pushing the pace, and that's what increased their offense. But if you look at Game One, the pace was 85. If you look at the first half of game two where Miami dominated in that second quarter the pace was under 90 in the second half where Charlotte was able to finally contain them somewhat on defense the pace was up above 95 I think it was 96 to be exact so that again I think that shows you that Miami is doing things in this series that defy conventional wisdom on this team and defy the logic of this team and and maybe the Hornets could look to push the pace in this second game in this third game and, and try to because I think what it did is it forced them to take transition buckets that didn't go in. It forced them into ISO situations, which the Hornets were trying to prevent Dwayne Wade and, and Joe Johnson getting into those isolation situations. But it, it actually worked out in the Hornets' favor, I thought, in the second half. So, you know, I don't I don't know what that changes about game 3, but they'll certainly look at that. All right, my final over and under for for this high o'clock alarm. Jeremy Lin could get the start. We haven't gotten word about who will take Nick Batum's place in the starting lineup, but I want to know Jeremy Lin points in this game over and under 
13. Lucky number 13. Uh, we're going over for that one. Uh, I think he will get the start. I like your line of thinking there, and we've seen how effective he can be and how much he enjoys that starting position. He seems to get a extra charge from it, and he plays well, plays well at home. Um, and so I look for him to be a, a factor offensively in this game. So I'm going over 13 points for Jeremy Lin. Yeah, and if Miami continues their defensive strategy with Kimba and Jeremy Lin playing a significant number of minutes – I, I think that could spell trouble for Miami because if you have two guys who can get in the, into the lane that don't necessarily need three-pointers to score a lot of points and, and you decide to give up the lane, I, I think that's a mistake. And, and so I, I'm going over as well. I just think Jeremy Lin, if he gets that starting role, he always steps his game up to another level and he'll be in front of the home crowd and he's played well in Charlotte this year. I, I, I expect big things from Lin. So if 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 he doesn't perform, I'll be disappointed because he's shown time and time again that in these in these big moments when he's given the opportunity uh, to get heavy minutes, that uh, that he can still perform at uh, that not necessarily linsanity level, uh, but you know this this new form of linsanity where uh, he just provides a solid presence on offense. I was going to say, Doug, do you feel like this is the bounce back that we've been waiting for that we were waiting for? We got a little taste of. In the second game, I mean, this resilient team has been able to bounce back all year, and they've got to do it Saturday night. So, are you feeling any better? I'm feeling okay. Uh, you know, the, obviously, <laughs> obviously, but look, I, I'm going to be honest here. Losing Batum, I think, for the long term in this yeah. series, if if he cannot come back for this series, I don't see the Charlotte Hornets winning this series. Because yeah. I, I, I talked about it with with Justin after the show went down, which is you know usually you, you want to talk during the show, but you want to capture that. You yeah, capture yeah, that yeah. Match. We didn't get this one on mic, but I said you know if if the Hornets are down five in the fourth quarter of of a, of a game uh, against the Heat, uh, and it's in the middle of the fourth quarter, down five, that ball's going to Batum to take a tough shot, and he's he's normally going to make it. And, and those are the kind of situations that you need Batum in. Like Kimba's going to take the game winners. Kimba's going to take the if if it's you know last two minutes of the game the ball is going to Kimba Walker but you need a guy you're down five middle of the fourth quarter you desperately need a bucket to stem the tide and get things going back in the right direction that's what Nick Batum provided time after time for the Charlotte Hornets and I think that that situation is eventually going to come up and if they don't have Nick Batum then then I think Miami you know eventually takes this series. So that's why I'm feeling I'm feeling good about a bounce back in game 3, but I think the Hornets have to get Nick Batum back and and luckily we got that encouraging information about Nick Batum possibly could make a return as soon as uh, game 4. So uh, that will do it for us uh, Hornets fans. Thanks so much for listening to the Hive O'Clock Alarm. Follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live and make sure to check us out on Fox 46 or fox46charlotte.com on Sunday, uh, usually around 8 to 8:30 a.m. We'll tweet out the exact time and we'll discuss Saturday's game on Good Day Charlotte. Until then, all hail the teal and purple.